0: Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die.
1: Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious-
2: You're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. And
1: start typing stuff, you know, and it was, uh, he went and he really got some beers in real life. And, he wrote in the script that he went. And he got orange juice and he got vodka. and He made, you know, he made. That's that's what he did. And so, so he's like, when they found and caught wind that it wasn't that, that it was actually the the beer. He just went and got beer. He was like, well, that's not as visually interesting as the other one. It's better to shoot. And he said they went back and forth. And the director's like, no, it needs to be the beer. He's like, it didn't matter to me, but it mattered to the director. And he goes, that's why in the movie he gets a beer. <laughs> <laughs> But like he wrote it in with other stuff, so, cool.
3: yeah. Hey, just want to say hey. You guys take it easy. Yeah. We'll see you later. Have Roxanne was an awesome movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Everyone agree? No? Yeah. yeah. And then what's the other movie? Summer, Summer School. School. That was a fun movie. Yeah. It's yeah. what inspired you to be a teacher, isn't it? It Suspend disbelief kind of thing. Kirstie Annerly. Fun seeing Mark Harmon, well, it was fun seeing Mark Harmon as, like, kind of, like, crazy, relaxed guy, because I know him just, the last thing was the West Wing, being that agent on the West Wing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So... Craziness. All right,
2: sorry to interrupt brothers. You see you guys either. all later. See so you need this stuff down okay. there too. So are you doing the uh, <laughs> what are you doing Good grief? Something like that. <clears throat> so are you in the middle of doing that master class? Have yeah. you started it? Yeah. Okay. For, for know, those for know. those that are listening in on our conversation, uh, first of all, welcome mm-hmm. to the Thirty Something Movie Podcast. Um, we were talking about Aaron Sorkin and screenplay writing and, and you're in the middle of taking the Aaron Sorkin master class. Did you got your kids got the yes. get to that for Christmas? Yeah. Okay. They help. You. Yeah, they help pay for it. Yeah. Paid
1: for some of it in the end, but they paid for. It. Has it been pretty good so far? So yeah. No. It's you really you it's good. Yeah. No. It's good. It's really It is. It's, it's it's just interesting to hear somebody who's so good at what they do and talk about it, and then and then realize that it's not so easy for him even. Like he, like I think he said, his like he's talking about like he goes. People ask him about writer's block all the time. and He's like, like you know, do you ever get writer's block? And he's like. That's my default home position, (laughs) 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 because I'm always in writer's block. He goes, the days that I get something where I write something really that makes me, you know, like proud, like that's he goes, those are those come and get you know, you get a few of those in a row, and he goes, you're doing good, you know. But he goes, that's my default position. (laughs) It's like good to hear.
3: Hearing him talk about writing both uh, season two of Sports Night and season one of West Wing at the same time, I don't think he slept at all. It's like three oh, days yeah, for this okay. show, four days for this show, three days for this show, four days for this show. I <clears throat> oh, can't even imagine. Yeah.
1: No, so it's going well. I mean, it's an. Inter- yeah. I'll be, I think I'll be able to dive more into it in the summer, but it's really nice with uh, just being able to, like, it's something you're going to bed or you're busy doing something that's just more physical work and instead of just putting music on. You just put that on. You don't need to see everything all the time because a lot of him just talking. You know, there's going to be more parts where he gets into the. I think the brainstorming with people there, and that's <laughs> going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. I really want to see that. Um, but this is like laying the groundwork of a lot of stuff, and you know, through research and ideas, and you know, and just character development, and you know, you need to know all this about the character. No, we only need to know what happens here, and then just length of length of screenplays versus you know what the estimated time that people expect. And he's like, I do a lot of dialogue. So mine are gonna be longer than normal people, so you know, you know, just, just good. It's just I think it's a good. um It's a, it's. Well, I don't know if the word's comforting, but it's a comforting uh piece. He's just like you know, I want to be a professional writer. He says, I didn't know I would be. So I just want to make a living in doing that, and that's what I wanted to do. You know, so any success that happens after that is just is just like great. You know, he's blown away by the do fact you, that people really care what
3: he says. Do you get a sense that he's? Humbled by his I do. success. Yeah. Okay, i do. I've, I've never really heard him talk at length enough to know whether or not he's like, yeah, Aaron Sorkin. Or, no, if, I, or if he's really I was. By I it, thought
1: yeah. the way he talked in the beginning that I was going to come across like that a little bit arrogant and, and cocky. He thought, and it was not. He's just like he stumbles for words. He's just winging this stuff. Mm-hmm. And like he doesn't have it all scripted out. He's, you see know, that, which means he's going to repeat some stuff occasionally or go back to things. And he's just like. I was scrambling for words sometimes, and it's just like, he's just, it's just the, sometimes oh, the, oh, oh, sometimes oh. it's the, yeah, it's just the, 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 you know, just stuff coming out of his mouth that's like, just, where does it all happen? So, but the way he does it is in a way where it is more of like, hope this helps you, I don't, you know, like, like, I'm just trying to do my thing, and I try to get it right, and interesting to say, too, like, one of the questions was about, like, when do you, when do you stop? when do you stop and know the screenplay is good you know, you're know, you rewriting it rewriting it. When do you? When, when is enough and not like when do you stop and he's like when somebody takes your typewriter away he goes, he goes sometimes that needs to happen people need to take they need to take it away from you because you'll just keep doing it otherwise it never ends he goes what happens is it's not, it really never ends you just run out of time and now it needs to be made and he's just sort of saying like that he goes because like, people are like who don't revise and don't re- redo stuff and then like, then there's the other end of it where you would just keep going back and revising, and revising, and revising, and changing this and changing that. He's like, at some point, somebody's got to take it out of your hands. So he goes, That's great when they do that. He goes, I kind of want it back, but at the same time, take it because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll just keep doing You know, so it's, to go through those type of uh, things and ideas and see somebody
3: else who's done that somewhere,
2: somewhere in a dark room, George Lucas is like, That's my typewriter, <laughs> <laughs> don't touch it.
3: Do you, do you think that he's more. OCD about his writing and that he just he always just feels he needs to keep reworking it or no I you know I, I don't know I think it's yeah. just there so why not keep reworking it I think
1: he's just saying to, to the people that were asking that was like you know you can keep doing re, revising anything like when do you know anything's really ever truly complete and like it's done he goes I never really get that moment he's like it you always know, there's always you, you always think you could probably do something else but he's like this is it just needs to go Mm-hmm. So, I think he. I feel like in a quirky, weird way that he is humble and and, and isn't cocky and arrogant. I mean, he was really nice with a guy too, where he was some guy called up. He's like, I won, you know. He goes, I don't get any any offer. Like, there's nothing happening. He goes, but I, you know, and they told me this instead. I I changed my writing and I do this now. Because I got I won like fifty screenwriting awards, you know, or like screenwriting um, and contests and stuff. Mm-hmm. He goes, I'm and no, nobody's still even looking at it. He's like you. He's like, you really you've won that many? And he goes, just get he got his name and number after. He says, I'll see what I can do. So that means that he's going to get that guy to at least get his stuff read. So he's yeah. like, I'm really good about doing that That's stuff cool. and just helping people out. Because he, he said he was helped out by, um, I wasn't Patty Chavsky, it, was, uh, was it? It, was, uh, it was another screenwriter. And he said he really helped him go from being a playwright or like that type of thing to screen. He's forever grateful, so that's why he likes doing these type of things, because he doesn't know, you know, maybe somebody out there he's helping. and
2: So it's just good. Yeah, so when I saw that, I, I don't know if... Jeff, I don't know if you were the first one to post it up on Facebook or somewhere like that, then I was like, that would be kind of interesting to, class to take. And then I saw that you Yeah, there's a bunch of mine that I still, I, still, I still... Yeah, I, I saw a whole bunch of... other another I'd still like to see, too, just
1: because I like the one line where he's like... Storyboards are for cowards. (laughs) (laughs) All
2: right. Well, going from quality to summer school, uh, we are going to be talking this time around to summer school. This is episode number 114 of the 30 something movie podcast. I do
3: have a very (coughs) quick bit of new movie news. Yeah, go for it.
2: Um,
3: So there is a movie called The Room, Mm -hmm. and it is panned. All across Hollywood, all across the sand, panned? panned like it is, and I've seen it. It is an awful movie. Tommy Wiseau, writer, director, is this actor. Sister with the lady,
1: wait, the girls, on the room. It's called The Room. Are we thinking of the
3: same one? Recent. No. No. Two
2: thousand three.
3: Yeah, two thousand three. Oh. That's not what um, and like people hold parties just to watch this movie in all of its awful glory and one of the actors in this movie um wrote a book about how awful of an experience it was making the movie and james franco picked up the rights to it and has now made a movie about the making of (laughs) the movie the room and i guess at one of the recent um Film festivals. It it got uh, pretty favorably reviewed. It it was it, it was supposedly really well done. Hmm. So if you haven't seen the room, it's worth watching at least once, just so you can sit there and go, "Wow, this <laughs> is horribly, horribly, horribly awful."
2: So this is like James Franco's Ed Wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so, but you have seen the original movie? I've
3: seen the original movie. Okay. I haven't read the book. I've heard that the book is really funny, though. Okay. Is it really that bad? Oh, it's, the movie's horrible. <laughs> and the thing is, like, Tommy Wiseau thinks that it's a great contribution to cinema. And he's like, no, you really need to understand that it is really bad. Okay. So, it's, it's worth watching. If this movie uh, gets a okay. wide release then I think it'll be a lot of fun to go see this one, especially with people that you know have seen and can appreciate how bad the room is.
2: Hmm, okay.
3: So just put that out there.
2: See, I a quote here from Entertainment Weekly that this is the Citizen Kane of bad movies.
3: That would be uh, <laughs> that would be one way to put it. Okay,
2: all right. Well, if you want to, uh, I don't know if I would say if you want to waste, if you're interested in taking 99 minutes of your time, that's how long it is, um 99 minutes of your time to go watch the movie but then.
3: do it upright have people over have some drinks really enjoy the fact that you're all about to sit through this thing oh see i misunderstood you laugh. said do it
2: upright i thought you meant like you know don't lay down and sleep while you're watching the movie no oh, that'd be
3: a do it do it
2: upright as like, in, like have a bad movie party some of
3: the some of the lines are that just actually wouldn't be a bad so party. ridiculous
2: like to have a party where you watch a bad movie
3: This that'd is the, this party. is the bad movie to watch that's, that's when I first saw it. I've only Mystery seen it once. Mystery Science Theater party. I've only seen it once. and It was at a, uh, a friend's house. They was hosting everyone over to, it was a themed room party. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a very whimsical little ringtone you got there.
3: Well, Dennis is a whimsical kind of guy. No, that's yeah.
2: true. Yeah. Every time I think of Dennis, I think of fairies and <laughs> unicorns and
3: only
2: five whimsical things. So All right. anyway, there you go.
3: Okay. Be on the lookout for uh, for that movie getting a wide release.
2: Okay. All right. Well, this time around, we are going to be talking about Summer School. Uh, this one came out on July 22, 1987, rated PG-13, directed by Carl Reiner, who also did Oh God, The Jerk, The Man with Two Brains, All of Me, and was the creator-writer for The Dick Van Dyke Show. Producers on this one, George Shapiro, uh, who also produced Seinfeld and Man on the Moon, Howard West, who died in 2015, also did Seinfeld and Man on the Moon. And Jeff Franklin, who was a producer for Laverne and Shirley, Bosom Buddies, a creator of Full House and Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Writers on this one were Stuart Birnbaum, who did Smokey and the Bandit Part 3 and The Zoo Gang. Uh, David Dashev also did Smokey and the Bandit Part 3 and The Zoo Gang. Jeff Franklin, who wrote Laverne and Shirley, Bosom Buddies, Full House, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Music was done by Danny Elfman, who did Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Back to School, Beetlejuice, Batman, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, budget, could not find it for this one. Box office was $35.7 million. Mark Harmon plays Freddie Shoup. Uh, he was in Wyatt Earp, Chicago Hope, and NCIS. Kirstie Alley played Robin Bishop. She was in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Cheers, Look Who's Talking, and North and South. Robin Thomas played Vice Principal Phil Gills. He was in Who's the Boss, The Contender, and The Banger Sisters. Patrick, Le- um, I mess up his name every time I see it. Labiorto? Labor-
1: Labiorto? Yes, okay.
2: Patrick Labiorto uh, played Kevin Winchester. He was in Little House on the Prairie, Heathers, and Jag. Courtney Thorne Smith was Pam House. She was uh, in Lucas, Melrose Place, Allie McBeal, and According to Jim. Dean Cameron was Francis Chainsaw Grimp. He was in Ski School, They Came From Outer Space, and Straight Out of Compton. Gary Riley played Dave Fraser. He was in Back to the Future, Stand By Me, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Kelly Minter played Denise Green. She was in Mask, The Lost Boys, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, and House Party. Ken Olent played Larry Casamias. He was in April Fool's Day, Super Force, the TV show, a TV movie, and Leprechaun. Uh, Shawnee Smith played Rhonda Altabello. She was in Iron Eagle, The Blob, the 1988 version, the TV show Becker, The Saw Movies, and Anger Management, the TV show. Richard Horvitz played Alan Ekian. He was in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and The Angry Beavers. Uh, Fabiana Udenio played Anna Maria Mazzarelli. She was in RoboCop 2, Austin Powers, and Jane the Virgin. Carl Reiner was Mr. Deeradorian. He was in The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Jerk, Mad About You, and The Ocean's Eleven movies. And Dwayne Davis played Jerome Watkins. He was in Beetlejuice, Under Siege, and The Program. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 61%. Audience gave it a 58%. Uh, Siskel gave it a thumbs down, saying this is a very dim-witted project. Ebert gave it half a star, saying it is a comedy so listless, leisurely, and unspirited that it was an act of the will for me to care about it, even while I was watching it. This movie has no particular reason for being, other than to supply employment for people whose job possibilities will not be enhanced by it. Uh, cinema score How do you got really feel yeah i mean really um, cinema score got an a minus so apparently yeah. the I, we'll see that the whole cinema score thing is people getting surveyed as they leave the theater so i'm assuming if you went to go see this movie you got what you went to go see but so I you so you were exactly happy exactly it.
1: and that's i mean cuz i like i'll have to go in a little bit but um, just hearing that is so harsh i feel like mm-hmm. it's so harsh because it's not it's not Setting out to be the English patient. Right. It's, it's it's called summer school. It's about a teacher who gets stuck teaching summer school. I mean, right. what do you? I think the characters were good. I think that I think there's a lot of really good lines in there. I think there's a. I I I liked it. I, that's the I, I think really his review like is a
2: is a guy who had to do this for his job. Yeah. Like he had to go see it because he's a movie critic. And, okay. And just had, yeah, I right. guess, yeah. I'm Otherwise, just, he never would go see this. See movie. See
1: that anymore. type of movie, and that's. And my point is, there's you know, it's. It's like food. There's junk food and there's, there's you know, a nice fancy Thanksgiving meal. And this isn't a fancy Thanksgiving meal, but it doesn't pretend to be either. And right. I think it's like if it's a bag of Cheetos and you're in a taste for a bag of Cheetos, I mean, that's, don't want to do it all the time, but so many, my zipper got stuck. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can fail too. So, oh, man. Just, I mean, those, look, I love those guys. I mean, I so this, this movie
2: won no awards. Surprise! Surprise! It's in the bathroom um, for six weeks, super <laughs> <never> got stuck. <laughs> super got <good> stuck. Um, <laughs> which the uh, highest I, know. I was trying to figure out where I had seen him from, and he was um, he was the kind of the big dumb football player in Beetlejuice when they go into oh, the afterlife, yeah, that's and he, right, yeah. yeah, and he was also in a movie I used to watch all the time uh, called I think it was called The Program. It was a football movie, a okay. like college football. Um, All right, so this one, high school gym teacher Freddie Shoup has been looking forward to summer all year long. On the last day of school, he runs out the door just behind his students to pack up his car with his girlfriend and hop a plane to Hawaii. Unfortunately, the summer school remedial English teacher has just won the lottery and quit. If Mr. Shoup wants to come back to a job next fall, he has to skip Hawaii and stay behind to teach a group of the typical 80s teenager movie misfits, the finer points of English, and get them to pass their proficiency test.
3: You know what we need? I mean, besides bread... We need a woman to appreciate
2: what we have to offer. Freddie Shu loves to cut class, hates to do homework,
1: lives for summer vacation.
0: Look, Freddie, you're a semi-charming guy and a real snappy dresser. You're just not the kind of guy I date anymore.
2: Yeah? What kind of guy are you date now?
0: Oh, the kind who wears socks.
2: And the only reason he hasn't been expelled yet is because he's the gym teacher. Oh, Mr. Shoup. At Oceanfront High.
3: Congratulations. You've been chosen to teach summer school. No, I'm not a real teacher. That's all right. These aren't real students. They're unmotivated, irresponsible, not too bright. They'll relate to you. You in this class too? Mm-mm. I'm teaching them.
0: No way!
3: Right off the bat, you show them who's in charge. Mm? Please take your seats. Where should we take them? Who is in charge? I recommend this time... I pass. You're gonna do well, Jerome. I can feel it.
0: I've seen some of your students. Very scary.
3: There's a very valid reason for summer vacation. The human brain needs rest. I know you guys aren't exactly fired up about English, but we're stuck here. We're trapped like rats.
0: (laughs) The tension breaker had to be done. Mark Harmon. You need an intelligent, sensitive
3: man who can
2: skate. Kirstie Allen. Do you know such a guy? Oh, they're hard to find. In the Oceanfront High Summer School class of 87. They're as smart as you and me. You and I. All of us. Paramount Pictures presents
1: a new film by Carl Reiner
3: Summer School. I love this
0: film. It had passion,
3: plucky spirit. Dave, I agree with you. Thumbs up from me. Same here. To sum it up, I'm Chainsaw. I'm Dave. We'll see you at the movies.
2: All right. I don't have a whole lot of background on this one because there was not a whole lot of background stuff to find. Uh, The high school used in the movie was the same one where they filmed the Karate Kid. Uh, The beach scene at the end of the movie was filmed in Malibu at the same location where they filmed Planet of the Apes, The Big Lebowski, and Iron Man. Uh, ironically, watched *Planet of the Apes* for the first time with the kids yesterday. They really liked it. Um, Paramount Pictures has been trying to remake this movie several times since 1987 to no avail, and this is the only Danny Elfman score that was never released in any form. So, uh, was this the first time you saw this movie?
3: No, okay. I uh, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it for our podcast, but I've seen it a handful of times. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how old I was when I first probably high school when I first saw it.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, is it one you like? It's all right.
3: It's, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a fun movie to put on when you don't want to think about anything. And, you know, a lot of great one liners, quotable lines in it. Um, I don't understand the need to want to remake it. Yeah, I think right. that this movie just needs <laughs> to be left alone and mm-hmm. sit in its it, it is its own in, little thing. In, in, in its eighties glory and. Mm-hmm. I don't know what a remake would accomplish with with this movie. but no, I mean, it's i have nothing against it. i I think it's just you know, don't have high expectations for it. Mm-hmm. It's a silly summer movie and and just put it on and relax.
2: Dennis, have you watched it before? Oh uh, yeah.
3: yeah, I saw it back back then as well. And then
1: that's like like I said, so there's a little bit of the nostalgia. I think of the remembering it, but I, I still think it's I still think it's a good little comedy. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think I think Carl and, and Carl Reiner is the director, and he's normally really I like I like a lot of his stuff and and his style, and it, it wasn't like I don't think they overdid like all the any sex stuff, and I mean they did that. There's elements of all that, new, but it was PG thirteen now. I don't know yeah. what it was. It was originally really rated. I think it was PG um, thirteen. was PG. I think it was, PG-13. Think it was just both mm-hmm. back then they didn't have PG thirteen. They did. They did '87. They, yeah, they yeah. In 87 they already had it. Okay, wow. Because yeah, uh, yeah. T- Temple of Doom, I think was Temple of Doom first. and the Gremlins were the okay. ones that started it. All right, yeah. so PG 13, yeah, that's about right. I mean, it yeah. just I like I said, I think it makes it does what it was supposed to be. It was I don't, I don't necessarily know the need to make it over again. Mm-hmm. I think all the people fit in. I like I like Chainsaw and the other guy. I mean, I thought there's was funny when they did the horror scene. They do the re they mm-hmm. came there with the yeah, with like everybody's. Yeah,
2: got a saw in their head, and
1: I it was entertaining. I, I laughed, them. I liked it, yeah. um, and I think it had enough of enough Harmon and Kirsteley brought enough of a little bit of a charm to it that work made it work enough to where it was. And I, and I know he's normally done a lot of drama stuff, and he's also been like you know he's like CSI and all this stuff. But mm-hmm. I think that was I think he had some pretty good timing in certain things and delivery of certain lines. Not everything, but I think he did a nice job and stuff. He was kind of like the dad who never, or like the guy who never grew up, you know, he's in charge of these kids, and there was a certain, he had to help them in a way, too, so it brought him up a, out of that a little bit, which was, I think it, so it had the little bit of charm element, and it was still funny enough to do that. So, I liked it.
2: Yeah, this, <clears throat> for me, this was the first time I'd seen this one, and I know I'd seen the the case before, the cover before, probably in, a, in video stores, but I never actually watched it before, um... And I think part of the, knowing that this was on a list, and this is probably a movie that we could have just said, eh, we could probably skip this one. Um, I was just curious to see, the only thing I've ever seen Mark Harmon in before, other than his few episodes that he had in the West Wing, was NCIS. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, You know, Sharon watches NCIS a lot, I I watch it with her. Um, If I'm home on that particular night, then I'll watch that with her, and that's kind of what we know him as, is this, you know, more gruff character who's the... A kind of quieter, stoic leader yeah. of of the group. Um, so, knowing that he had been in kind of this summer comedy movie, I was just kind of curious to see um, see what that was like to see him in a totally different role than what I'm used to seeing. Um, but yeah, same thing. I mean, it's not. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna buy this movie. I'm not gonna seek this out probably ever again. Um, I watched it. It was funny. It was fine. Um, it had, like you said, it had some good one liners and. And I'll just leave it at that. And I, Again, when I heard that they had been trying to remake this, that my first response was, why? That would be like if somebody told me they wanted to remake Animal House. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I see a need to... I mean, Animal House is a much funnier movie than this. Um, but I don't know that I see the need to try to remake something like that. It's some of Some of it's a product of its time and just leave it as it is and... And leave it alone. Yeah. Well, and
1: somebody had said, like, I, just looking at this perfectly sums up, somebody had said, there's just something about this film. And then they go on, and again, they're not saying it's the greatest film in the world, but they just say something about it just tends to work, and it's a strange overachiever, is what they said. Mm -hmm. And I think if you go into it with that, again, it says there's a prime example of a film that overachieves. It appears to be a typical teen comedy, but its screenplay is smart. It's hard to dislike. Carol Reiner's direction is substantial. He never tries to make the film more than it is. And I think that's it. I think the fact that they don't try to make it more than it is, anybody who does is not going to like it. Mm-hmm. And if you allow it to be what it was intended to be, it's a nice little film. And that's one of those categories, again, where people are like, oh, is it a great film? It, it's not. Right, it's not, not to supposed win. to be. It's not supposed mm-hmm. to be. It's supposed to be a fun little comedy, and it's got a little bit of charm and a little bit of yeah. wit to it. And it's well, I th- I some think great one line some good characters. I think the people who are in were all good characters. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but i i think it you know it had that underlying story arc too where the stereotypical kids whether they're the the lazy students or uh you know what eker who was like the the, yeah. the geek mm-hmm. by the end you know they're all supportive of each yeah. other they all right. get to know each other it's like it's big, like it's like a, a really silly Breakfast Club. I was gonna say a little bit of
1: Breakfast Club Ferris Bueller. Is it so you mix mm-hmm. some of those in there and it's right along that vein to a certain degree and uh, yeah and you know the only thing I can I think
3: of Dave at the end when you know Eaker gets his yeah. score or something he's like hey, all right way to go Eaker yeah. yeah that's a really genuine sort of supportive comment yeah. that yeah. he wouldn't have made earlier in the movie exactly right.
1: and that's why I said it had enough heart in it and enough comedy that it just works and it's not. Again, groundbreaking filmmaking, it's just a nice, cute little comedy. And I think that we, I wish there were more of those. Because I think a lot of comedies nowadays are clunkers or they, you know, I don't know. But.
2: So with this one, um, yeah, some of the things I was, as I was watching this, I, I, you know, got the whole, you know, kind of funny, cute comedy, little hints of Breakfast Club and, and that type of stuff. Um, I will say, though, that, and I, and I don't think the original audience watching this in the theater would have had the same reaction to it. When he allowed the 16-year-old girl to live with him yeah. as a teacher, all of a sudden, I, like, in my brain, I can hear screeching brakes. I'm like, whoa, okay, hold no. up. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Funny comedy movie, but I don't know, just as a teacher, that, that was a little, I was a little uneasy with that thinking it's uh, weird back then i don't know if i noticed it but as a teacher now i, I think of that now
1: yeah but even when i watched it back then and even when i kind of watched it there's the alarm goes off but at the same time it's done in a way where you don't think anything creepy mm-hmm. Exact like you trust mark Harmon's character enough that right. he's not going to, well as it, much as he's like into the girl you know and the mm-hmm. girls and all that you know that it's Coming from a, a, right. a, a much more mature place to There's a clear, clear, clear in divide in between e- each exactly. student. Even when, so you don't uh, feel like it's getting weird, like something's going to happen. When
3: Kirstie Alley shows up at the yeah. house and she's like, oh, maybe I should leave. And it's like, why? Yeah. Yeah. She needed a place to stay. gave her a place to stay. You know, he, I made a bargain was with all the kids and that was this is what she needed. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that, and that, so I, it didn't
2: come across like that, but I know like from our real Mm -hmm. world environment that can click and where you're like, yeah, it's a little weird. I know. I'm I'm sitting there going, please have been held back a few years. Please have been held back a few years. (laughs) Don't really be 16, please. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. So kind of going along with, with this, uh, do you have any favorite scenes or favorite lines from this one? I hate to say it cuz it's the one cuz being a PE teacher and stuff too
1: it's you realize I'm not, a real teacher. <laughs> not a real teacher. I was going to I was going <laughs> like I I to see
2: if we could grab a PE teacher bring him in here and ask <laughs> and how do you the, feel about that? And the thing is cuz it's
1: it, you, there's some people will be like well you can't laugh at that cuz you're a PE teacher. And I'm like well then you're taking yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in what you do. And, and I understand you're always fighting that battle of people
2: saying oh well you just do this or you're just that. You know it's but you it, it they are they're not in your shoes. And, and we have we have some people here who want to go get their PE endorsement because they think it'll be an easier job than what they're currently teaching. <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly. I won't name any names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's like, and, and the thing is, when you get out there and, and you're dealing with where people could get hurt or injured, have asthma attacks, and life threatening things, and, and and you know, it, it's you got bigger class sizes, you got dangerous equipment. It's, it's. I know that it's not an easy, mm-hmm. easy. There's there's give and take with everything. Yeah. Do you have to go home and grade papers? Heck no. You don't, but there's other things right. that you have to do where you have a lot of setup, and there's a lot more, of things that you yeah. don't have to do, and other things. Um, so, so that line doesn't bother me. So I can fully <laughs> enjoy and laugh at that line, and I just think yeah. it's a good line. So, and then uh, I just like the two chainsaw and the other guy. I mean, I, any of their lines are good. And mm-hmm. like you said, we're at the end where he ends up, you know, I could fail too. I'll take it again, I could fail too. Right? Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean I'm sorry to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. Those guys are, good. like, I just, there's so many, there's a lot of good lines. All right, like, when he's uh, writing,
3: when he says, so I want you to write a letter to that company, blah, 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 and sign it this way. He's like, you want me to lie? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, and I like that character. I was going to look chainsaw. to see where he was, Chainsaw, like, did he do mm-hmm. anything after this? But anyway.
2: Yeah. I do have to go. Okay. Um But, yeah, I, I, it is bad what bad. it is, and I love that yeah. movie, man. I would, yeah. That's I will say, probably one of my favorite lines is when the uh, the vice principal comes in and has, was in, would somebody tell, oh, it was what's the, going uh, on with the
1: chainsaw?
2: When he when he comes in, I think when he takes over the class and he yeah. comes in and he's like, would somebody tell me Mr. Shoup had planned for the day? <laughs> and the <laughs> chainsaw goes, group sex. <laughs> you, you know, uh, that's no, tomorrow. no that, that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Today no. is independent study right after our mid-morning now And then what was the
1: line when they were watching uh, Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> he's like, oh my God, what safety. are you watching?
2: He's like, new film from the district. Safe use of power Safe use of power, yeah. So I thought
1: it was.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, right. peace out. See See ya. Yeah.
2: So yeah. So mean, do you have the, a favorite?
3: The right before the testing, at the "Hey, I remember you. Where have you been?" <laughs> Bathroom for the last six, six weeks, weeks. My zipper got stuck. <laughs> I you know I th- I think <clears> throat> that throat> it's just fun. The majority of the characters in this movie really understood the the stereotype of the character mm-hmm. that they were playing, and just. They all delivered the lines so incredibly well. And I wonder how much of that was Carl Reiner's influence. Because, I mean, he's such a great yeah. comedic genius that I wonder if, if he provided any coaching for these guys. Uh no, if you say it like this, it's going to play better because. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you want us to study? The thought did cross my mind. Well, what's in it for us? What do we get out of it? Literacy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that goes over well. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't know. I think that they all... the whole movie just plays as a bunch of one-liners that mm-hmm. all seem to work together. Yeah,
2: yeah. And the funny thing is, I think um, I think when I was reading, it might have been Ebert's review of it. It might have been uh, Siskel and Ebert together on their show. Um, that was one of the things they criticized was the group of they're like it's an overly stereotypical group of '80s teenage kids. I was like, well, actually, that was. Probably one of the best parts of the movie was that they, they played those stereotypes, but not like they didn't seem one-dimensional characters. They seemed like they understood, like you said, they seemed like they understood the stereotype that they were playing, and they played it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, whereas Cisco Niebert saw that as a negative, I, I saw that as one of the positives of the movie.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, I think if if we wanted to take that a step further and really talk about what that what what, what that accomplishes in terms of a takeaway, you know, it, it helps open the eyes of of those that are that see themselves as just a gym teacher or just whatever, yeah. that there is a wide variety of of student and with that a wide variety of student need that you know you don't realize maybe the impact that you can have on, on a student. Just by being there. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that uh, that Mr. Shoup kind of realizes.
2: Well, and I like how he, he made that deal with each one of them. Yeah. And it was it was specific to what they needed. You know, for one of them, it was he, the, the kid wanted a bed in the classroom because yeah, he was and, tired. And, 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 he, I, I,
3: and I don't think he did it from a place of, I want to get to know these kids. Right. I, I, but I think that was a, a much greater uh, result of having done that, is mm-hmm. he started to really understand the needs of 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 the young people that he, had, right. that he had the opportunity to work
2: with. When he took that line from the vice principal at the beginning, he's like, you know, these aren't, re-, he's like, I'm not a real teacher. These aren't real kids. These aren't real students. Yeah. You know, they're they're, they're not too bright and, they're, they're, you know, you'll relate to them. And he kind of took that and he's like, well, no, no, hold on a second. It's not that they're not bright. There's got to be some other reason why they are not passing this English, cl- mm-hmm. this English test, the proficiency test. And it's not because that they're not good students. It must be because something else is going on. And I and I think it, it just like right off the bat, you know, he gets in there and one's pregnant. And, you know, one is sleeping all the time. And, well, there's got to be some kind of a reason. I'm not going to make fun of the kid for sleeping in my class. There's got to be a reason why he's tired. Yeah, you know, he doesn't and, find that out till later. But and,
3: and, and you've got students that are, you know, goof-offs and class mm-hmm. clowns and... You know, nerds and and whatever, and they're they're all in there for their own individual struggles and reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, some are unmotivated, some have far too much pressure put on them, uh, either because of family legacy yeah. or sports or whatever. That you know, again, as he gets to know the kid, well, as we get to understand, get to know the kids as viewers, we get to start understanding their struggles and their stressors, and I think. Mr. Shoop starts to understand, you know, the the stressors are very real for the kids. Mm-hmm. So even though he made a deal with them to be able to get them to try, he realizes again like I said the the impact that he could have uh by continu- continuing to support them and find ways to reach them through what what they enjoy.
2: Yeah. So along the same lines, but slightly different path. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your favorite teacher you ever had.
3: I've had a couple, I think. Um, second, my second grade teacher, Miss mm-hmm. House Child, was fantastic. Uh, she loved reading. I remember she had the, a uh, uh, classroom library of the, uh, Mr. and Little Miss books. Okay. And, you know, everyone got really involved in those books because she made that fun. She was always very positive and very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in in high school I had some uh, some great teachers in in the music department where I spent a lot of my time. My choir my choir director um, was phenomenal. My band director was great. You know, again, these are guys that took the time to get to know us as individuals, which is hard to do when you're when you have a group of 150 kids. Mm-hmm. You know, still taking the time to to get to know kids and and just learn about what what they like and and find ways to motivate them through that. Mm -hmm. Um, In college, I had a couple of great professors that uh, really kind of whipped me into shape in terms of taking my academic career very seriously. My senior year in high school was almost a blow-off year. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I had tons of music classes, Mm -hmm. you know, band, orchestra, choir, show choir photography PE like you know this was pretty much my senior year so going into college off of that you know I was maybe not the most motivated Mm -hmm. or felt like I could just sort of ease through and I had a couple of teachers one in particular uh, her name was Dr. McGowan and she terrified the hell out of me (laughs) and at one point during a midterm review session that uh so at midterm, she met with each of her students individually to talk about how class is going and what she's seeing. And, I mean, she just put it all out there. And I walked out of that office feeling, you know, two inches tall. But at the same time, I, I needed that. So, you know, I credit a lot of my current success to, to her and a couple of other uh, college professors that listened and supported in ways that they didn't have to but chose to.
2: How about you? Um, I probably let's see. Yeah, I've had a few. Um, I would say we had one when I lived in England. We had a math teacher named Mr. K, and he was he was actually kind of the person that got me into comic books, um, and probably one of the people that that when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for a job, I was leaning kind of back and forth between journalism and teaching. And he was probably one of the people that that was one of my reasons for for wanting to go into teaching. And he was just, he was crazy. He was a young guy, um, you know, teaching at the, it was an all boys British school. Um, We had really small class sizes, so it was pretty easy to, you know, for the teachers to kind of get to know each of the kids. Um, And we had the same teachers every year. So it wasn't like you switched, you know, know, from one year to the next, you didn't switch teachers. That was the only math teacher uh, for grades, was it probably four through... Three or four through seven, so you had that teacher for you know four or five years straight, and um, he was kind of crazy. Uh, he would wear he would wear socks that played music, and he had uh, comic book posters up all over his room. And sometimes during off periods, he'd be reading comic books in his room. And um, I remember just some of the projects that we did in math were he had these fun projects set up, which now you know I, I look around at some of the projects that that we do. And it's very similar, but that was the first time I ever encountered it. So, like, he had us do a stock market project, mm-hmm. where, and I, I thought that was a lot of fun. I don't know if the stock market is as fun now, but, um, you know, he, you know, you pick your companies that you wanted to invest money in, and he, you know, but he, had all kinds of different creative projects like that, and gave us all kinds of like, let us. Let us choose, you know, kind of the, the stuff that we're going with now in education. Let us have more of a voice in how we wanted to choose, how we show what we learned and everything else. So I, I always liked his class. My high school teacher, uh, Mrs. Price, she was, um, I think, our world history teacher. And a lot of the kids just thought she was kind of kooky because she was very, oh, just, she, her... Her mannerisms were just very, oh, welcome! So glad you've all come to class today, and it was just very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was this; she was a little bit older, um, but she was so passionate about history, and she you could tell she loved what she was teaching so much that even those kids that normally would cause problems in her class, they at least they saw how much she loved it and how kind she was to all the students. And so they respected her back. So even those kids that would normally be more of the problem kids, they were not as much a problem in her class because they could tell, you know, this is somebody who cares about what she's doing and she cares, she genuinely cares about us. Um, And then I would say in college, I had a creative writing teacher, uh, Mike Madonic, and his class was hilarious. He would never call anybody by their real name. Uh, He would learn a little bit about you on the first day and he'd give you a nickname Based on <laughs> what he learned about you, I've done and, that with and, with and that was our name, like all throughout the rest. I had him in classes for three years, and so what was your nickname? Um, he would t- when he would ask us questions, um, he would take like one weird little detail out of something we said, and so mine was. Uh, he asked if we had any pets, and I guess I was the only one that didn't have like a dog or cat. I'm like, yeah, I have a fish named Greedo, and he's like Greedo, like Star Wars Greedo. And I was like, yeah, Star Wars Greedo. He's like, okay. I'm calling you Jabba from now on. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. Were
3: you fat then or no?
2: Not as much as I am now. No. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm think of a whole bunch of other names that I could do. That you could pull out of the Star okay. Wars. They're yeah. going to say, yeah, you called
3: me Greedo. Right.
2: I won't repeat the names that he let us call him. Um, well, to this tom- is, tell this me is off a the air. Family-friendly podcast. I'll tell you off the air, but uh, family-friendly mm-hmm. podcast, so... Uh, we did have the one kid um, what did he call him one kid that showed up late on the first day kid walked in had really long dreadlocks showed up late on the first day looked really tired (laughs) kid just walked in all he did he just looked up and he goes I'm naming you Mary Jane (laughs) (laughs) the rest of us like you didn't know anything about it? nope Mary Jane (laughs) from now on his name is is Mary Jane (laughs) so i and his was fun i did actually did an independent study class with him where it was just me and meeting with him once a week to um do some creative writing stuff and so i i I really liked his class and i just liked his interaction he was the one i probably have told you the story before he was the one that um at the end of our creative writing class he took us all to one of the bars in in town and have i told Mm -hmm. you this one
3: you
2: may have. Okay. He took everybody in the class to one of the bars. It was during lunchtime. He took us to one of the bars and he's like, okay, if you guys want to get some food, get some food. Uh, I'll do the first round of shots for everybody. And then after that, and you, you whatever you want. So he got shots for everybody in the class, or maybe 15 or 16 kids. And uh, he's like, okay, everybody, we're going to take a shot together. Shot. Take a shot. All right. And he pulls out his grade book and he goes, okay, I'm just going to go down the line here. Uh, Jabba. What do you guys think Java should get for the semester? And then it would be a discussion. Like he'd go around the table and be like, "What do you think he should get?" And I'm Like, well, you know, he thought uh, his his first stories. It looks he really kind of progressed throughout the semester. You know, his first stories were okay, and they got better as the as the semester went on. So, you know, I'd say, um, oh, probably a maybe a B plus, a B plus. He's like, does everybody agree on that? B plus. All right, Java, get a B plus for the semester. All right, Mary Jane, they're <laughs> you know, like. I don't think he showed up for like the first three weeks. The zipper and, got stuck. Yeah, the zipper got stuck. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna go C minus. And like C minus. They're like, well, I like his stories. I give him a B. Like, ah, all right, we'll go C plus. We'll do down the middle there. And <laughs> this one kid came to came to class drunk and hungover every single time. And, <laughs> and one of the kids was like, yeah, his stories are good, but oh man, he just it, it smelled to sit next to him. I got to give him a D plus, and the other kids were about to argue it, (laughs) and the guy, the guy just goes, "I'll agree with that." (laughs) The the student he's like, "I'll take the D plus." Like, okay, I don't think I can ever. I plan on teaching middle school or high school. I don't think I can ever do this with my students, but this is a fun way to do grades.
3: Well, you know, when you when you st- when we start getting into the personalized learning, mm-hmm. there may be some more opportunity for that. Could, a, a lot of a lot of it will be based on feedback and conferencing. Exactly,
2: and I could you know take kids out for their driving lessons and yeah,
3: <laughs> that's um, not to work. No, you know what? You <clears throat> did make me think of another professor I had in college, my American Lit professor, mm-hmm. um, and this guy was brilliant. I mean, he could connect you know crev core with. Mm-hmm. Any modern day American author, like it just he's like, Oh, it's obvious it's this style here that is being used here. Mm-hmm. And you just you sit there like, Oh my god, I can't believe he made that connection. <laughs> um, but this was a guy so uh, my buddy Tony, who one time guest podcaster went into Batman, mm-hmm. yeah, he and I uh without realizing ended up in the same American lit class. Okay. We showed up on the first day, we're like, oh my god, what are you doing here? What are mm-hmm. you doing here? And he and I started going out to the uh, to one of the bars after class. It was a night class, so after, so we'd go and grab a drink after class.
2: You weren't hitting the bars at 11 a.m.? No. No. <laughs> no. Not at that point. Not that year.
3: <laughs> but um, but Tony and I would go to the bar, and, and we'd continue to talk about stuff we talked about in class. And we thought, wouldn't well, it be fun to have uh, Professor Franklin join us as well? So we... Gave him the invite one night. He's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll go." <laughs> and he's every week. Then he started mm-hmm. going, uh, going with us to the bar, just continuing his lectures mm-hmm. about literature and and helping us explore layers upon layers of deeper meanings in 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 writing. Um, you know, we we'd go out to dinner with the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, just really just brilliant guy. Really cared a lot about others' opinions. Um, could appreciate a well crafted argument, mm-hmm. but wasn't a, afraid to call bull when he heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had a couple of kids in, in the class that would like try to be like, well, I think when you know Wallace Stevens wrote this poem, he was really trying to say this, and it makes me think of this, and he's just like, stop, <laughs> you're just wasting time, full of crap. Um, so yeah, I mean, he 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 was again just he very motivating and. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> could draw information out of you mm-hmm. without without making it feel like he was trying to make you come up with a specific thing that he wanted you mm-hmm. to say. He just knew how to ask the right leading questions to help you get to the point that you needed to that you needed to get to. It's because of him that I I really enjoyed this story, Young Goodman Brown. Oh yeah. Um, it's because of him that I I really enjoy Wallace Stevens as a poet.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, you know, uh, Leaves yeah. of Grass. Brilliant piece of writing, mm-hmm. you know. We we dissected that like so. I mean, at the time. I could probably go on and on about yeah. this guy. He was such a great influence on not only my appreciation of literature, but the type of of, of teacher I wanted to become.
2: Mm-hmm. We just, it was making me think of a couple other professors I had. There were one in particular was a. I took a class. Of, I had to take a couple of history classes, so I was like, well, I'll take a. Took a fun one. Tom DeBalma, and,
3: what up, history? <laughs> That's another college professor.
2: There you go. Um, we had a professor, John Lynn was his name. And actually, he was the guy that would play the bagpipes and the, for the procession at graduation. Okay. He had a kilt and would play the bagpipes and he'd lead everybody in and all that. Um, but he was a, a history of war professor. And so his class was history of war from antiquity to 1666. I think it was at the Spanish Armada, maybe. Um, and then his second class, the next semester class, was from like 1666 to modern day. And this you know, <laughs> covers a little bit, of, a little span of time. Wow. And uh, he was hilarious. Like, we'd, we'd get to the first day of class, he'd be like, I just want to let you know, you guys can come to me with any questions you've got. Uh, you know, um, feel free to you know call my office hours, uh, whatever. But I'm going to tell you this, uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, not, I mean, a few people were using email at that point, but he's like, I'm going to tell you this. If there's an Illini basketball game on, I'm not answering your questions. I'm um, gonna be watching the game. I'm gonna be drinking a beer. Otherwise, I'll answer your questions anytime you want. But if there's a basketball game on, I'm not answering your questions. <laughs> and then after class, he would have it, invariably every time I took his I took his class twice, and each time there was this group of, I, I don't know what war they might have been vets from, like you know, Vietnam vets or or maybe maybe even you know, they look a little bit older to be Gulf War vets, but. Um, He would have this group of guys that would take his class and then they would follow him. And I would see him walking in the quad with these guys, continuing to talk about, same thing you said with your professor, just continuing to talk about war and why, you know, why the the military chose to do this with a particular war. And they just would continue to have these debates and he'd have this small group of students following him. I'd see him out walking, and I never saw him walking by himself. He was always walking with a group of either students or... Older guys that you know wore you know camouflage jackets and um, but he I don't know that I ever saw him by himself at any point in time. Um, one of my other and then, I mean not necessarily a favorite he was just a funny professor I had. Uh, I took a history of comedy stage comedy class and it awesome. was <laughs> it was a great, was a great class and there was a there was a critic that we read one time and I want to say that the guy's last name was was like Asman. And it was spelled, yeah. And it was spelled, yeah, yeah. And it was spelled A S S M A N. And this professor, we were talking about Jiminy Glick earlier. (laughs) This professor talked like Jiminy Glick. And out of the highs uh, to the lows. And I remember at one point in class, (laughs) he hands out this article for us that we're going to be reading, and he goes, "So this is a a criticism." Uh, the Moliere play by Asman. now I just want to let you all know up front I'm more of a lake man myself <laughs> <laughs> like, what <laughs> and I'm sitting there like trying not to laugh and the other kids, some of the other kids in the class are you know they're they're like the you know straight up English majors and they're like I, I don't know I what did he just say and I'm like guys did, did you not get what he did the joke of, oh, why are you in a comedy class <laughs> <laughs> like, forget it <laughs> just leave yeah, just take your pass fail and go.
3: I had a, a history <laughs> professor at uh and like, he he made history come alive and he knew so much about it and I took three history classes with mm-hmm. him cuz he was great. And one of them was it was supposed to be recent American history. It mm-hmm. was just supposed to cover from World War II to present day. And okay. this was back in 2000. So, you know, 50 years, yeah. you know, just over 50 years. And we like we he would go on and on about so many interesting aspects about mm-hmm. every point in history. That remember we got to the point of the Vietnam War, and because of the curriculum, he's like, "Okay, today's the only day we have to talk about everything with the Vietnam War." <laughs> Here we go, and he covered everything in the Vietnam War in one class session. Good grief. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, then <laughs> af- after I left there, he uh, he went on to develop a history of baseball class. Really. Which I would have loved really? to have <laughs> taken. That would have been outstanding. I wonder if he still teaches that. Maybe we'll just pick a, it up just for fun. I had a
2: friend that transferred to University of Wisconsin Madison um, halfway through college, and I think he they they had like a history of rock and roll class. And I was like, oh man, I would love to. I took a, I <laughs> I took a history to of jazz class. Oh really? For a
3: music endorsement mm-hmm. or a music credit that I needed. Yeah. That was, that class was just phenomenal. Uh-huh. It, was, it was like the American Lit class. I mean this this the guy that was teaching you know, could take the oldest of old music and and show it, oh, no, just listen right here. You'll hear the same thing happen. And you're just like, oh, my God, that's incredible.
2: Yeah. Um, I will take that and and swing it into a a plug for another podcast. Um, And I've told Pat about this one. I don't know if you listen to, there's a Star Wars podcast, probably one of the bigger ones, called Rebel Force Radio. And Mm -hmm. it's actually a a radio guy from here in Chicago. He's one of the hosts of the show, and I think the other co-host is in... Maybe Ohio, and so and theirs is probably one of the most famous. They um, they used to do a podcast for the website theforce.net. I don't know if you okay. went there to yeah, know. any Star Wars news and um, they broke off and did their own thing. It's probably about six seven years ago now, and they've got another show that they do with a guy who does a lot of like sound editing and, and stuff like that. He actually has done some voiceover stuff in the new Star Wars movies. Um, he apparently was the voice uh, at the end of Rogue One and they're trying to pass the thing through the door, screaming, take it, take it, like that, yeah. Nice. Um, and when the stormtroopers are having a conversation about the T-16s being, uh, uh, it's like, oh, they're finally getting rid of those old T-16s. And that whole thing, he was one of the, the stormtrooper voices from that. They do a show called Star Wars Oxygen, and I've told Pat about this, the phenomenal podcast. They go through the history of the Star Wars movies and the music, and they're just doing the music. Um, and they have gone through, I want to say they did like three or four episodes just on episode four. They do like three or four episodes, and they do one a month. So they did like four months on each movie. And they went back and they did like, this was some of the temp music that they would have used before John Williams composed the music for Star Wars. This is what he kind of based it off of. And they'll go back to like these old, you know, classical pieces that not a whole lot of people might know about, but they're like, just listen to this. It sounds like the Sand People music, or it sounds like the Jawa music, or if you listen to this, it sounds like the theme that they use when every time you see the Death Star, the dun dun, 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 dun kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, just amazing, and, and it was they went through it. Um, you know, even like the music for the prequels. You know, a lot of people are crap on the prequels for the story and the, you know, all that stuff. But the music is amazing, and they go through and they talk all about the music and how you know some of that music is even more sophisticated than the, the stuff from the original Star Wars movies. So just when you made that comment about the music and yeah. you know seeing like how this influenced this, that's if anybody listening to this has not listened to that podcast, and especially if you are a music lover, I would go check out um, Star Wars Oxygen. It's a really really good show.
3: Side note: uh, John Williams and Steven Spielberg are working on a new three disc edition of williams music from all of spielberg's movies
2: and how much is that going to cost me
3: i don't know
2: (laughs) between the 40th anniversary star wars toys coming out this steven spielberg john williams thing yeah just everybody's just trying uh, to take my money
3: my little brother sent me a link about it
2: Mm i was just like (laughs) jeez well there goes a couple of paychecks um, all right. Before we so, wrap summer school. What, yeah, up, what summer else? School. What else we want to talk uh, about? Before we wrap up, really, really quickly. Last question here. Um, favorite movie involving the idea of summer. So not not like favorite summer blockbuster, but favorite movie that deals with summer. I'm gonna go first before you steal mine. The Sandlot. Sand <laughs> you can't see Jeff's reaction, but. <laughs> That would be mine. I, and I was having trouble figuring out which one, like what, what would be a good movie about summer that I would want to pick. And I'm looking down this list of movies, and the, the moment I saw The Sandlot, I'm like, nope. Got it. Right there. Yeah. Wendy Peppercorn for the win. <laughs> Wendy Peppercorn. <laughs> um,
3: favorite movie about summer. Five hundred days of summer. Okay, and that's different, <coughs> different
2: type of summer. No. <laughs> um, I actually own no. that. I own that movie because somebody gave it to me, but I have not watched it yet.
3: I like that movie. A
2: okay, lot. I still have to watch it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It. I know um, our go-to guy when we fantasy cast anything. I don't know. Like I,
3: I think the Sandlot is a great choice. <laughs> I can't, nothing really jumps me when I think of like, oh, yeah, a movie about summer that mm-hmm. takes place during the summer. Nothing really jumps out. Um, but I think The Sandlot is, is almost the perfect.
2: Mm-hmm. I, that movie to me, and I had not watched it for years before we watched it with the kids last year. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe
3: Meatballs or... Yeah. You know, I mean, that's such a stupid, quirky comedy. Right. Though it doesn't... Re- Hold up to Sandlot in any right. way, shape, or form. I mean, Sandlot
2: just seems to have everything. Everything yeah. you could possibly want. It's got the swimming pool. It's got, you know, the the kids are out of school, so they're free to play baseball well, if and, they want to. Yeah, I mean,
3: it's it's summertime. You know, pickup games mm-hmm. every you know every morning. Yeah. we'll meet you at seven o'clock on the playground mm-hmm. or, or at the ball field or wherever. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's got the little summertime romance thing going on, and
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: okay. Well, sorry, I stole your pick, too.
3: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't know. If you didn't say it, I don't know if I would have come up with it. Okay. But it really is, like, the, the
2: <clears throat> and perfect I answer. And I wouldn't have thought of it had I not, like, looked at the list. I, and it took me a couple of times searching for lists of summertime movies. Because every list I tried to find was, like, summer blockbusters. I'm like, eh, mm-hmm. that's not what I want. Um, and then when I finally found a list, I'm looking down. I'm like, eh, okay, yeah, I could see that one. And the moment I saw Sandlot, I'm like, oh, nope, done. I don't need to look at the rest of the list. I'm good. I would say if it wasn't movie now, this this then kind of gets into some what about
3: vacation. The, would that be a summer movie?
2: <sighs> yeah, the original. Yeah. Or the remake. The original. Um. Yeah, probably. Because they're not in school. It's yeah. supposed to be summertime, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, could be that, that could work. Yeah, that could work. Um. If it was, yeah, the closest thing I could think of to, like, The Sandlot would have been, like, some of the episodes of The Wonder Years, like, where they go off to, like, a summer camp or it's summertime and they don't have to be in school. And I love that I show. That was a great show. Is oh, it still man. on Netflix? Or did it leave Netflix? No, I think it's still on Netflix. Is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I watched I it through once. At some point. Yeah. It's relived, like, a whole, lot of, <laughs> a, whole, a whole lot of
3: middle school moments.
2: Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Winnie Cooper. Yeah. It's always like the the W names. It's either Wendy or Winnie. There's a pattern here. Mm -hmm. See the pattern. All right. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for us for summer school. Um, In the meantime, there are plenty of other places that you can find us. We are at 30podcast.com for our website. That's got all the different places you can find us. It'll have links to our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. All that other stuff. Uh, You can also find us on Stitcher, Satchel, Google Play, iTunes. If you could uh, go on over to iTunes and leave us a review there, let us know how you're liking the show. If there's stuff that you want us to talk about, if you've got questions, uh, suggestions, um, see that then I do that whole. I got some questions, a couple of suggestions on how we can fight instead of fleeing west. Yes. Every time I do that, every time I say questions or suggestions, even at home. All of a sudden the entire family, because the kids know it too, we all break out into song.
3: Oh, we do it all. And there's nothing wrong with
2: that. The funny thing is now, the kids with the moment we get in the car, can we listen to Hamilton? Yes. We can (laughs) listen to Hamilton. Just hold on. (laughs) Let us get buckled in first and get going. There was one day when
3: uh Katie was in the kitchen, like putting groceries away or something. She opened the freezer and she, she goes. Burr! <laughs> and I'm from the family register, start shouting, Check what we got, Mr. Yeah. Lafayette, <laughs> hard rock, like Lancelot!
2: <laughs> I would have gone. Is it the election of 1800? Oh, man. <laughs> Tell <laughs> your husbands, vote for
3: Burr! <laughs> Everyone needs to go see Hamilton. Oh, man. Go. July. I've gone once or twice already, mm. and I'm looking forward to going again sometime. And
2: Hope- at this point, hopefully. at this point, all the people that I know that would have gone have gone. And have now started telling me little bits and pieces about it. And I'm like, okay, I, I want to know, but I also don't want to know. But I want to know, so just tell me.
3: Here, So here's something, real quick, here's something that, uh, that my wife pointed out to me the second time that we went to go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler for anyone that hasn't seen or heard about the show, when Philip dies after his duel, as he, as as he is laying, uh, you know, laying on the table, and he's you know reliving memories with his mom there, and you know, there's there's a bit of underscore, and then all of a sudden it just you know goes to, mm-hmm. and then that just goes away, and you're just like, oh, jeez. <laughs> of course they 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 wrote it that way because every level of this show is pure genius. Mm-hmm. And, you know and, and as soon as that drumming quote-unquote heartbeat stops the character dies mm-hmm. and you don't even realize you don't even realize that it's going on mm-hmm.
0: I don't,
3: I just I can't I, I can't live on that level of genius <laughs> it hurts my head too much
2: oh man I feel like I feel like it would have been like going to see a Shakespeare play back in the day when, like when Shakespeare was actually alive and getting, getting to see it for the first time and yeah and maybe maybe we're like totally wrong about Shakespeare. maybe it sucked back then. <laughs> <laughs> it, it' just over time it got better but yeah I can't wait. All right well in the meantime you can go check us out all those different places. Um, but again, yeah, let us know if there's something if there's a movie that we haven't covered yet or we haven't even talked about covering yet. Uh, let us know if there's one that we're missing that's one of your favorites. And um, we also are kind of floating the idea of doing a few extra shows throughout the year. Um, we're definitely going to do one coming up in May where we talk about the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. Because um, that's a big deal. We're going to kind of break a couple times this year from our normal 30-year deal. We're going to do that one. And we were talking about doing a 75th uh, anniversary for Casablanca. For Casablanca. Yeah. yeah. So so at some point we haven't decided yet. One of the yet. best, if not the best movie
3: ever made. There you go.
2: Uh, ringing endorsement from Jeff Mazzo. I mean, I don't know um, much
3: about movies, but I do know that Casablanca is a masterful yeah. piece of
2: cinema. And again, I have never watched it all the way through, oh, so, so that'll be so that'll be a new one for me. Um, I've seen bits and pieces, but I have never actually sat down and watched from beginning to end the whole thing. So, so we don't know yet when that one will come out. Uh, we'll either do that one. We may do it during the summertime when we've got a little bit more, a little bit more time, or we may wait. You said it's going to come back out in theaters. Yeah, in November. it'll
3: be like maybe two or three nights in November. at It's a Fathom event. Okay.
2: Re-release. All right. So, so I don't know yet when we're going to do that. If you've got other suggestions, if there are movies that are coming up on big anniversaries this year, uh, we've also talked about doing like an episode where we do like a tr- '80s movie trivia challenge or something like that with each other. Um, but if you've got other ideas, other things that you'd like to hear us talk about, uh, please feel free to let us know. You can email us at 30podcast at gmail.com or just go to our website, talk to us on Twitter. We're pretty active there. Um, I looked the other day, we're up to like 273 followers on Twitter. It shot up quite a bit. So That did. That escalated quickly. Yeah. I'm oh, up right now. Holding a trident. Um, Maybe. Wrong You killed a man on the trident. You might want to lay low for a while. But, uh, yeah, so, all right. Well, next time around, uh, our next episode, you know what? Uh, Next time we're probably going to be, I know, coming up. uh,
3: 272. 272?
2: Awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, So, thank you for all all those people that are listening that follow us on Twitter. We appreciate that. Go tell your friends. Um, Next time around, I was going to say, next time around, we're going to be doing Roxanne with Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah. But in between uh, Summer School and Roxanne, we may put out a real quick little uh, Batman, uh, Lego Batman episode because i did watch that the other day uh took my kids to go see that they really liked it i might actually have them on the show uh, to talk a little bit about lego batman but we may throw that one out there real quick and then coming up uh in early march i think we'll probably put that out in the first week of march we are going to be doing a show on logan um so again that's not our regular 80s stuff but we will do that as well um, because i think we'll probably all end up seeing that pretty quickly so all right uh, so next time around, probably the Lego Batman movie. And then coming up in about a week and a half or so, will be Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah in Roxanne. And, oh, uh, that's the end of the meantime, that is a good one. That is a good one. That's one. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's, it's, very
3: it's, it's very Steve Martin. It is. But we can talk about it's that, that one when very, we get to report Very
0: charming, things. very... Yeah,
3: he has a very... Specific style that I don't know how to
2: define yeah. eloquently
3: in words, but yeah, that, thats yeah. that—that's that, 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 for that'll be from now. Let me next
2: time. All right. In the meantime, go see some good movies. Be excellent to each other. And go see some good movies. Bye. Bye.
3: Wanda, from a 29 to a 43, and she gave birth.
0: Isn't childbirth grounds for makeup test?
1: It always has been.
3: This woman thing never fails. Ekean, a 51 to a 74. I passed!
0: I am an Ekean, grams.
3: All right, Eker. Denise, no previous test score because you ditched every test, but a 38. Honey, that's terrific. We'll get him next time. Kevin. Yeah. From a 48 to a 75.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah! I'm back on the team! Yeah!
3: Kill! <laughs> <laughs> <ooh, ooh>, <laughs> yeah. okay. Who, last score was a six. This time, 59. Monster comeback. All right. Seven. And Dave, from a 26 to a 70. <sighs> You, passed.
0: you made it. You passed?
3: You passed and I failed, you asshole. How could you do that to me? It was an accident. Take it again. I can fail. I know it. And Pam went from a 53 to an 82. Oh, <laughs> was that the
0: highest?
3: Well, almost. I mean, that guy who spent six weeks in the bathroom got a 91. <laughs> but look, there's more going on here than test scores and
0: grades. You all worked hard and you improved.